0: You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Tricia Haggerty. Music and audio production by Ed Batewell, narrated by Andrea Fuller. Episode 10. There were stray people here and there inside the station. One homeless man who was drinking from something in a brown bag and another muttering to himself across the tracks. There were no signs of recruits or police anywhere. My dad and I live in an apartment near Marsden Station, Sid said. I mean, I don't want to decide what's best for everyone else, Sid said, leering at Kyle. But the offer's out there. Kyle looked sheepishly down at his feet, exhaling loudly. Your apartment is a great idea, Gil said. That's what, two more stops? Sid nodded. Okay, then. Let's get walking. Avoid touching the third rail, Gil went on. The trains might be closed to the public, but no way to know if they're powered down. Better safe than sizzled, Trent joked. After their eyes adjusted, they jumped down onto the tracks and walked quietly into the darkness of the tunnel. How long of a walk between stops, Denver asked. Well, Gil began, there's probably less than a half mile from one to another, If we keep a brisk pace, we could probably walk about 135 steps per minute. That's a 15-minute mile. Gil removed his headlamp from his pack and pulled it onto his head. I don't know how much battery I have left, he said, turning on the lamp. It offered a dull light, but anything was better than walking into complete darkness. Not so bad, he remarked. It's better than nothing, Denver agreed, falling in right behind the professor. Sid took her spot on the far left. Kyle respected her need for distance by staying on the far right. Trent and Jeannie took up the rear. I can't believe they burned down the field house, Trent said, after a few minutes of uncomfortable silence. Do you think anyone made it out besides us? Kyle looked at Sid, then looked quickly away. I certainly hope so, Gil said. The more of us that can corroborate this story, the better. They walked a bit further without speaking. A rat scurried by and Denver shrieked. Denver, Sid hissed. You'll draw attention. Sorry, Denver cried. I really don't like vermin. Sid sighed. Just cover your mouth if you have to scream, she said. Ugh, I don't like them either. They half grinned at each other in the semi-darkness. Listen, Sid, Denver whispered. Please don't be mad at Kyle. Maybe I heard wrong. What they said about Cody, she admitted. Don't sweat it, Sid said, readjusting her backpack. The next station's coming up. Let's just stay focused. Denver jumped in front of Sid. No, please, she said. I can't go to your apartment like this. I would just as soon be captured and recruited. You have to forgive me and forgive Kyle. Sid nudged her aside. Why are you being so dramatic? Jeez, she said. "'Let's just get there already.' Denver stomped her foot like a petulant child, then grimaced in pain. Sid caught her by the elbow. "'No, I'm serious, Sid. "'We don't know what's out there, "'and I can't be part of a group whose leader hates me.' "'I am not the leader,' Sid said. "'Clearly.' Denver shook her off and stood with folded arms. Sid stopped and threw down her own pack. "'You want to do this now?' "'Fine.' she barked. It's not you that I am mad at. This is so not the time, Jeannie said. Kyle interrupted. It's me she's mad at, he said. But I would do it again if necessary. You might as well have killed Cody with your own hands, Sid said to Kyle. I did my best to save him, he replied. Sid scoffed. Then he'd still be alive. If you hadn't gone into that room to help those other students, I would have saved him, Kyle reminded her. I couldn't carry you both. You should be mad at me, Trent said. The whole thing was my idea, and ultimately, it was me who left Cody on the bridge. Kyle walked over to Sid. You went out on a limb to save other people, and it was an incredible thing to do, he said, facing her and grabbing her hands. I wish I were as brave. The agreement I made with Trent was worst-case scenario. I would have risked my own life to save Cody. I just wasn't going to risk yours. Sid softened, turning her face away. Can we please get moving? Jeannie asked. We just totally blew our 15-minute mile. We're going to be okay, folks, Gil told them. Let's just get there in one piece. Cody wouldn't have wanted us to die arguing about him. Sid gave a reluctant grin to Kyle. He nodded. They lifted their packs over their shoulders and followed the dim flickering light coming from the next station. The group slowly approached the next station, weapons at their sides. Sid led them single file, their backs up against the tunnel wall. She poked her head around the edge. There was a woman and a scrawny teenage boy cooking something over a trash can fire. Since no one else seemed to be in the area, Sid deemed it safe for the group to proceed. Before they moved forward, she whispered to them, whatever this is, we don't get involved. We gather some intel, then keep moving, understood? They unanimously agreed. Sid surprised herself how much her dad had rubbed off on her over the years. Starting to sound just like him, she thought. They walked out of the tunnel and stood as a group on the tracks. The woman jumped back and pulled a small pistol out of her waistband. Whoa, whoa, Kyle said, easy. She pointed the gun at Kyle. Who are you? She demanded. What do you want? Gil stepped forward, holding his hands up defensively at his chest. We were at the university when it was attacked, he told her. We're just trying to get home. After a few tense moments, the woman nodded and replaced her gun in the back of her pants. She put her hand on the shoulder of the boy and waved for the group to join them. Kyle and Trent climbed up onto the platform then lifted each group member one by one. Of course, Sid refused the assistance and hopped up herself, heaving her backpack first with a yank and a grunt. I'm Margie and this here is Andrew, she told them. They took Andrew's father, had no way to pay our rent so here we are. Who took your father, Sid asked the boy. The boy scoffed. He and his mother exchanged looks. You living under a rock? They took him for the draft. Sid looked at Kyle. The woman cocked her head to the side. Police are rounding up the boys for the draft, she said. For the army, to fight the terrorists. It's why me and Andrew are here. They got my husband, but they ain't getting my boy. The group gathered close by, sitting together and unpacking rations. You say the terrorists are after you now? She asked them. Gill answered her. We think this may have been, well, more than may have been. There are no terrorists, Trent said flatly. McGrath ordered this attack. He's turning people into brainless fighting machines. We've got to get help. The woman shook her head in disbelief. That just can't be. Those terrorists attacked 40 universities. So many dead. They really got us this time. Well, most of that is true, except for the terrorist part, Denver said. We've seen it with our own eyes, heard their secret transmissions. Well, then what's with this draft? Who are we fighting against? If you don't sign up, they find you, she told them. Sid turned to Gil. She's right. There has to be a thousand recruits already. Why more? Gil shrugged and shook his head. When you've got a lust for power, it's never enough. Hitler garnered followers with electrifying speeches and propaganda, Gill said. But our fearless leader got his hands on a much easier method for gaining support. The biological agent, Sid said. Microchips? This isn't a draft, Trent said. He's recruiting them. Biological agent? The woman asked. Recruiting? I'm afraid you lost me. He's a madman, Gil told her. Let's motivate and keep moving, Sid said to the group. We agreed not to stay in one place too long. The woman shrugged. We've been here all day and you're the first people we've seen. The boy was poking the fire with a stick when the flames soared up unexpectedly. Ow, he cried. Margie grabbed his hand and looked at the burn. She pulled the bandana off her head and wrapped his fingers. Sid loaded her pack onto her back. "'You should really put out that fire,' she told the woman. "'Smoke rises.'" The boy elbowed his mother. "'I told you,' he said, pouring his bottle of water on the flames. "'Ma'am, you're doing the right thing,' Sid told her. "'Don't let them have your boy.'" Margie nodded and held Andrew close. They exchanged brief goodbyes and good lucks, and the group jumped down onto the tracks. They were almost all the way into the tunnel when they heard a stampede of footsteps coming down into the station. Most likely drawn, Sid thought later, from the smoke that wafted upwards onto the street. Margie screamed. She scrambled for her gun as shots rang out. She collapsed in a heap. You killed her, the boy screamed. The group was frozen in place. What are you doing, Sid whispered. Go, run. We can't leave him, Kyle said. He's just a kid. I'm with Sid, Trent said. Me too, Denver whispered. But Gil and Kyle were storming the platform before Sid could stop them. God damn it, she said, pulling the walking cane out of her pack. Denver, hang back, she said. Trent swore under his breath and followed suit, as did Jeannie. The group clashed with the recruits, a few who were armed with guns. It was dark and the recruits' aim was Questionable, but there were a lot of them. A mob of them came right for Sid. She turned her cane sideways and held them back. Get the kid and go, she screamed. But Kyle and Gil were having their own problems. They temporarily disabled a few recruits with their baseball bats and homemade bayonets. Trent swooped in and grabbed the boy. He handed him off to Jeannie and got into a wrestling match with two recruits in an attempt to commandeer one of their guns. It was about then the group heard the rumbling, a moving train. A train on their side of the tracks was heading toward the station. Soon after the rumble came the cone of light. Come on, Sid cried, get to the other side. Trent, Jeannie, and the boys scrambled down from the platform and across the tracks with Gil and Kyle just behind. Sid was almost off the platform when a recruit grabbed her backpack. The train was almost at the station. Sid wiggled violently to get out of her bag. Gil looked back just in time to see her struggling and was able to turn around and come help. He stabbed the recruit in the side of the throat with his bayonet and it released Sid. Just as the lights of the train were feet away from her, Sid was able to scoot across the tracks. Gil was not as lucky. His body was hit by the passing train and tossed like a limp rag onto the tracks. Denver screamed from across the tracks. Kyle covered his eyes. The train kept passing at full speed as though nothing had happened. The cars were full of recruits, hundreds, maybe even thousands of them, boxed in like crayons in a 64-pack, their eyes staring blankly out the windows. Sid was completely numb by the time she reached the platform on the opposite side. Trant and Kyle jumped down and helped Denver and Jeannie onto the tracks. Go, 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 Sid screamed. Trant grabbed her arm. Should we help him? He might be. Sid shook him off. He's gone. Now move it. Stay clear of the third rail, Kyle told them, lifting Andrew down. They ran as fast as they could down the tunnel toward the next station, none of them able to picture anything else but the body of their beloved Gil lying lifeless on the tracks. You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Tricia Haggerty, music and audio production by Ed Batewell, narrated by Andrea Fuller.